Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you in a crazy-making relationship? Feel anxious, angry, and unsafe? Welcome to Save Your Sanity. Insight, skills, strategies, and inspiration for emerging empowered from toxic relationships and breaking the bonds of emotional abuse. Keep listening. We'll figure a few things out. So welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. We're going to be talking about really in-depth things about how a narcissistic mother can really mess with your life long-term. Whether you're a male or a female, they'll have an influence differently, but they will have a long-term influence on your self-esteem, your self-image, your self-concept, your sense of self, your sense of self in relationship, how you choose a partner, how you behave with the partner, what you tolerate in the partner, so many pieces. And that becomes vital to know, really vital to know. You know, when I I know that narcissistic mothers, hijackal mothers, they have not a lot of love to give you, but they have big uses for you and they have big expectations from you. And you can't escape because they start imposing those uses and expectations from the moment you're conceived sometimes and definitely from the moment you arrive. And you have no language. You're a blob. You know you're just born. You can't move yourself, feed yourself, keep yourself warm, uh, change anything about your environment. And you are 100% dependent on the giants who brought you home from the hospital in order to survive. So you naturally are endeavoring to have them like you, have them want to take care of you to allow you to survive and hopefully to thrive. And when you have someone disordered as your mother, that is the fundamental bond. That is the person who has been feeding you for nine months. So you look to that person for certain things. So I want to talk about that influence in depth in this episode because there are pieces that you may not have recognized. You know, when I speak to someone and we begin to work together, it'll often happen that I'll ask, tell me about your family. Tell me about the family you were born into. And they will begin with, oh, I had a wonderful childhood. Two or three sentences later, I'm hearing about abuse, disrespect, dismissiveness, unavailability, neglect. And I'm realizing the story we've told ourselves is different than the story we experienced or this client experienced. And so I'll say, well, which is true? You had a wonderful childhood or is true that your parent was neglectful and mean? And then we begin the journey of unpacking because it's at that moment that we realize that maybe not everything in our childhood wasn't good, but not everything was good. 
there were bits and pieces. Maybe some of the pieces, the negative pieces were really large. Maybe they were very subtle and wove into the fabric of your being, and you may not even recognize them all. So that's why I'm doing this episode, to help you recognize those things. Because what a hijackal parent wants to instill in you is that you have no needs. You are there to meet their needs. Now that's big. You're not supposed to have needs, yet you are just born, and you are there to meet their needs. And that is an impossible feat. So you're asking a baby to meet the needs, the emotional needs of an adult. And that persists through your life. Do you see how deep this runs? So it becomes very important that you recognize that are there places in you, if you're raised by a hijackal mom, that really you just push down your needs, you reduce them, you pretend you don't have them, you say things like, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter, and when you're really meaning, I'm okay and it doesn't matter, it's all right for me to be marginalized, discounted, belittled, not thought of, second rate. You know, sometimes people will say those things and they'll laugh as they say them. And that's what we call shadow laughter. You're laughing at pain. And these things are important to discover. You know, when I'm working with my individual clients and they're ready to go through the breaking down so that they can have a breakthrough, that they're willing and ready to look at these things. And that's so important. And if at any time you want to talk with me about those things, you, if you've been listening for a while, you know you can go to beaclient.com, beaclient.com, and figure that out. Uh, we can talk about it together. And that's a good way. You have a one-hour, one-time session with me for only $97 at beaclient.com. So if these things that I'm talking about in this episode really stir your interest and maybe give you a glimpse into something that you haven't looked at. Let's talk. Now, what happens? The baby learns. What do they do when I cry? Do they come? Do they help me? Do they come quickly? Or are they angry when they come because I've been crying? And then the baby starts to think, maybe I shouldn't cry because they're not happy with me when I cry. And so the baby thinks they caused the parent to not be happy. So the baby begins to suppress their needs. Big, big concept. But you understand the gist that if you start learning that you don't matter and they matter, we've got things really unbalanced to begin with, if not upside down. And that becomes key, absolutely key to see. So... Here's what happens in the difference between a, how a narcissistic mother, a hijackal mother, is likely to treat a son and, and the difference with how she will treat a daughter. A narcissistic mother sees her daughter as instant competition. Instant competition. And it's on. 
The child doesn't know that, but it's on. You know, I've told stories years before about my narcissistic mother, who unfortunately, you know, she was a very unhappy woman, and she had a lot of electroshock therapy, and she, I don't think she always was the way she was when I knew her, but she had the electroshock therapy when I was two years old, so I don't recall any other human mother in my life. Um, but she would always need to win, you know, her legs were shapelier, her um, experience was greater, her desire was more, everything was a competition, and I was an only child, so there was no one to share that with. Now, in the case of a hijackal mother of a boy, she is likely to do what I call, and this is just my words for it, emotionally marry a son. Not always the firstborn, but a son. Where she will start grooming that child somewhere around eight or nine years old to take on her emotional needs when the child is totally unequipped to do so. Totally unequipped. That little boy has no way to keep his mommy happy no way to even understand the words she's saying about your father behaves this way and you'll never leave me, will you? You'll always do what I want you to do. You'll always be mommy's boy. You know what? That's not good. That's not good. And so she grooms her son to take care of her emotional needs when the son is way too young to even know what that means. But the son gets the thing that I'm supposed to be loyal to and my mother's number one flying monkey. Totally unfair. Totally, totally unfair. Both to be competing with her girl or to be emotionally married to a son. Does that have meaning to you? Have you seen that happen? If it didn't happen to you, have you seen it happen to someone in your family? Have you heard a friend talk about it? Because when you sit back and think about it, it pretty much runs that way. And I have clients tell me all the time, how did you know that? Well, it's the way it is. So it's important to see it because she will make her son validate her feelings, take responsibility for her happiness, and... She will make the child feel that she has to be their number one priority. And when she is the narcissistic mother of a girl, she has to be constantly proving that she is better than the child. Now, she will take, as an aside, all credit for anything the girl does well. She will be front and center, take all the credit take all the accolades, sit and shine, but it will be at home that she will be competing. You could have done it better. Yes, you played well, but you could have done it better. And she will st strip you, just strip you of what it would take to allow you to have a success, to have an accomplishment, to feel really good about yourself. So with those things in place, what's going to happen then when you take these things you've learned from being uh, the offspring of a narcissistic mother and you go forward 
in your life because these things are being implanted. These are the things that have been laid down as foundation. And you are happily growing brain capacity, learning new things, moving forward. You know, we're all, as children, we're always forward-focused. You know, someone said that to a kindergartner, a fourth grader is a god or goddess. You know, we're always wanting to be at the next stage, moving forward in the next grade, at the next stage of education. So we're not stopping and thinking, you know, does the hijackal parent in my life have it right? Is that really me they're talking about? Am I really that person? No, we're trained to believe them because we don't have any way to compare. We just got here. We have no experience. We haven't seen other families in action. Not until we get, you know, starting to go and stay for dinner or do an overnight with another family do we actually sometimes get to see that other families don't do it like my hijackal family does. And then we get confused, but we get really wanting to go to the other kid's house because it's much more fun over there. You know, I remember people would never come and stay at my house because they were afraid of my mother. And that happens, right? That happens. So we're taking that along with us as we're growing and developing. We don't stop and look back. We don't stop and take it apart. But at some point in your life, you really are wise to do that. Really take it down to its lowest number of pieces and look at each of them and decide which ones you want to put into your life. That's definitely part of the therapeutic process. And if you're not ready to work with me privately, come on over and join the Emerging Empowered Community at joinintoday.com. For your membership, which is very low, $47 a month, even less if you buy three months, you get three group Ask Me Anything calls with me every month. Yes, it's a group, but they're small groups, and you can really enjoy that, plus all the discussions, all the gifts, all the videos, so much there for you at joinintoday.com. So this becomes super important for you to look at the things if you think you had a hijackal mom. Because until we stop and look back with adult eyes, we won't see and allow ourselves to feel our way through that. And then we, we can then look to see how having a hijackal mom impacts your current Thoughts about yourself in relationship, your choice of relationships, what you tolerate in relationships, what you enable in relationships. And so when you have a hijackal mom and you are either married to them emotionally, which will make your mother jealous of every other woman who ever came into your life and set up a competition with that woman. Have you noticed that? If you're a male listening to this and you, you recognize and can feel that you were actually sort of emotionally supposed to marry and take care of your mother, that she is very, very competitive with your wife. And she wants to claw you back and have you to herself. She wants you to choose her, not your wife. And she wants you to be her primary flying monkey for your entire life. 
and does not want to do the natural thing for you to join with a new partner and create your own family. That's very destructive. And when a woman who is raised by a hijackal marries, the mother is often going to take the husband's point of view and, and compete with her daughter for her own daughter's husband's approval and to get the husband to be a flying monkey for her. You know, it's very insidious. It's very behind the scenes. It's nasty. Not good stuff at all, which is why we need to see it clearly. Because when we've had a hijackal mother, we are overly lenient with people who walk on us. We give them the benefit of the doubt. We make up excuses for them. We rationalize their behavior. We, um, we have lower expectations. We don't hold people to a high enough standard. We are too nice. You know, I was speaking about that on a show this morning. They, there is such a thing as being too nice that we're raised to think you have to do what's nice and we start actually bending way too far in that direction and it's much more than being nice it's being second rate it's being less than it's being anything but balanced and also in that rationalization we will justify the behaviors of others we'll even make excuses for the poor behavior of others and we will become enablers if we don't become a hijackal. Now that is all predicated. Everything I'm saying in this episode is if you don't become a hijackal yourself, this is probably what you will take away from being raised by a hijackal. So we want to be very, very clear that all of these things once looked at can be changed but it is a process to go through and uncover them and allow ourselves to really see how being raised by a hijackal mom changes the way we see ourselves, what we expect, and what we want in relationship. So this being too nice, you are always told to be nice. Don't ask questions. Don't ask for what you need and want. You're not going to get it anyway. That's one of the ways they control you. A hijackal mother controls you. She has the ultimate say, right? And so you give over easily. You give up more easily if you haven't become a hijackal. Now, you become also more willing to take care of another person's needs and wants than your own. And so you lose all sense of healthy balance. Now, you've probably heard me say before that I don't think we're ever balanced in life. I think we're always balancing. Every day is different. Needs are different. Situations are different. Responses are different. Our emotions are different. So we're always balancing. And in a relationship, we're balancing ourselves. Balancing each other can be tricky. But we have learned to go the extra mile if we don't go 
the too nice extra mile so that we're always doing for others to the extra mile and they're always adding a mile because we're likely to do that. We're likely raised by a hijackal mother to think that they will like us if we're over accommodating of their needs. And so we go too far. We go too far and we give people the benefit of the doubt for their bad behaviors or things that they say, or they, they say, oh, I was just kidding, and you don't want to fight. So you think, oh, they were just kidding. You know they weren't, but you don't know how to take it on because you learn too early that, you know, you don't do that because it will just be a problem, and you succumb. You also learn, if you had a hijackal mother, that you're going to be accused of things you never did, and she's not going to be happy until you apologize for doing what you never did. Did you learn that as well? Because that's very common. And a hijackal loves to withhold their attention and any affection until you apologize for their what they perceive as the wrongs that you did that you probably never did. And yet they're holding out for an apology. They want you to beg them to talk to them. That's why they love the silent treatment, because they can go silent in the hopes that you will beg them to talk to you. You will degrade yourself to the point of saying, I'll, I'll do anything, just talk to me. You're driving me crazy. Instead of taking the stance, and you have to practice this, I know, but instead of taking the stance I've spoken about before, if a hijacker gives you the silent treatment, enjoy the quiet. Enjoy the quiet. Go about your business unencumbered, unafraid, unassailed. They've decided to shut up. What a joy. It's great. Enjoy it. Don't go running after them. Oh, I'm sorry if I offended you. What is the problem? I can't stand this. It's terrible. What do you want me to do? And then you end up right where they wanted you. And if you had a hijackal mom, you learned that really early. I hope this is making sense to you. Why this is such a key thing to understand. So key. And if you, if this makes sense to you, you may recognize that you abandoned your real self somewhere along the way. And we need to talk about that. We need to work that through. I can help you, other people can help you, but you need to work that through. Because until you do, the patterns won't change. Now, a hijackal mom is going to be emotionally neglectful. Why? Because she's only interested in her own emotions, not yours. You know, how many times have we heard a parent say, you know, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Now, when you take that apart a little bit, isn't that narcissistic? I want to be the author of your tears. I want to be the one who will give you something to cry about because whatever you're crying about is not as important as though as it, it would be if I made you cry. Ooh, complex, convoluted, and wrong on every level. So it's important for us to understand that having a hijackal mom is going to have an emotionally neglectful mom who's only focused on getting her needs met and getting you to meet them 
And that may be by dismissing and competing with you or by making you responsible for keeping her happy. And keeping her happy is an impossible task because yesterday she wanted it one day, today she doesn't want the same thing, so you're always going to be wrong. And that's an endless quest. The quest for the approval from a hijackal is an endless, tense, stressful, impossible thing to do. You can't do it. Maybe yes for a hot minute, but you can't sustain it. That's where their power is, is in wanting something different, never letting you be equal. So if you had a hijackal mom, I'll talk about hijackal dads another day, but if you have a hijackal mom, this is what you've been set up for. So you have neglect. We also have a pattern of withholding. A hijackal mom with withhold her approval, withhold her validation of you as a worthwhile human, withhold your right to have your own feelings or your own point of view, or she'll withhold encouragement, she'll withhold support, she'll withhold affection, she'll withhold understanding, she'll withhold time. All of those things. You know, maybe some of those are just hitting you now that that was what was going on because it was subtle. You know, most hijackals have a lot of subtle things. Then they have some things that hit you like a train smash. But we wanted to really look at the finer pieces so that you can heal those. You have to see them first and then you can heal them. So you then get into a relationship as an adult who was raised by a hijackal parent. And what do you do? you settle. You're all hopeful, and hijackals know this, so they're love-bombing you like crazy. They're making you feel like you're the most important thing in the world. They want to do that as quickly as possible so they don't have to keep doing it. So they tell you they love you. They hardly know you. They want to move quickly. They want to get you nailed down. They want to stop pretending. And then you get into relationship with them thinking that, oh, this is wonderful. And then they begin showing you who they really are. And they're not who they pretended to be in the beginning. And I've done quite a few episodes, pieces like that. But you're not expecting something different. You're hoping for something better. But you won't likely get it. And the reason you won't likely get it is the patterns are so deep. They run so deeply. And so you're disappointed when you find that you've chosen a partner who is like your narcissistic mother, right? You're deeply disappointed and you keep trying to please the hijackal partner in the same way you learn to try and please the hijackal mother. And so you settle and you make excuses and rationalizations. And because you learn not to ask for what you need and want, because that was met with a hijackal mother's disapproval, you don't ask for what you need and want. You don't become assertive because you were taught by a hijackal mother that being assertive is too aggressive for her. She didn't want that from you. So now you don't even ask for what you need and want. You may have come to the place where you don't even know or you never expect to get what you need and want. You don't even expect to be asked 
what you need in life. You have just tamped it down. You've come to that place of having no needs, so she won't be upset. Are you still in that place somewhere of being that little person who doesn't want to upset the hijackal mom? Because this is your time to see it and start saying, I need to expand beyond that. I so need to expand beyond that because I can't ever feel equal because I was raised to not take my place. That place was already taken. A hijackal mother takes your place in the sun and only lets you sit in it when it makes her happy. So you're not used to being in that place. And these things, as I said, they may not be overt. They may be very covert. They just may be little feelings of less than or, of course, I wouldn't get that or I shouldn't expect or reach too high, you know, that kind of thing. When you trace it back, you find that it came from a hijackal parent. And that's troubling. And then you you turn your life into one great longing trek to trying to please somebody else. You give their needs and wants more attention than your own. You are living vicariously to meet their needs and wants in order to, if you could meet their needs and wants, they would give you approval. And so now you're in a codependent relationship. You are enabling them. You're hating what they're doing, and yet you're enabling them. And as I said earlier, I'm going to share my definition of enabling. Enabling to me is when you usually or frequently step in to fix, rescue, justify, rationalize, excuse, or, and here's the big one, make the consequences go away for the poor choices of another human. They have no consequences from you for behaving badly towards you. And you learn to enable. Now, you didn't choose to do that. You learned that. You learned it through osmosis almost. But once you see it, you can bring it to consciousness and work it through and choose differently. And that's the really, really good news. Because you don't want to be a person who's afraid to rock the boat. You don't want to be a person who gets their exercise by walking on eggshells. This is no good. This is unhealthy. You're not inhabiting your life. You're not living fully who you are. You may not even think you deserve to if you've had an extreme hijackal mother. And you do deserve to. You do deserve to take up space. You do deserve to breathe on this earth. And you deserve to be equal, reciprocal, and mutual in a healthy relationship. Another offshoot of having a hijackal mother is you'll feel overly responsible for the feelings of other people. Like, I caused them to feel badly. I, you know, so therefore I shouldn't express my needs. And it goes deep. It runs so deep. And you settle, and you settle, and you settle, and you never fill up your own space. You never fully inhabit you. You never fully expand and express and experience the truth of your own values and vision, beliefs and purpose, and communicate that and learn how to have healthy interactions and healthy conflict management 
and all of those things. You just lose so much. And that's why I wanted to do this episode to really increase your, your, your thought that, hey, I could have that. Then if you're not ready to work with me, go to relationshipprograms.com, plural, relationshipprograms.com. I have courses there for you. I have books, ebooks, all kinds of things there to help you if you're not ready to work with me. And so you want to feel like you can take up space, draw breath, express yourself fully, ask for what you need and want, and stop tolerating second-rate treatment from a hijackal. So your partner then may have given you a feeling that you're still confined, you're still constrained, you're still repressed, you're maybe even depressed, and your partner is taken over from your mother, or maybe both of them are on your case now. That's a lot. That's really a lot. And you can do things differently. So you were trained not to have needs because it displeased your mom. You were trained to do that before you even had language if you had a hijackal mom and you weren't being groomed to be a hijackal. That's big. That's really big. Notice it and see the long-term effects and how you may have been affected. There are effects, what has happened, results, evidence, your relationships, how you feel, how's your health, how things are going. And then there are affects. How do you feel? Do you feel like a fully expressive human? Do you feel like you're not allowed to live out loud? These are important indicators that maybe it's time to give yourself your due and work on and with yourself because all these things can change. Once you really allow yourself to say, it's really difficult because you are never supposed to criticize a hijackal mother. Once you allow yourself to say, wow, that stuff really happened to me. I can still love my mom if I want to, but I also have to see the reality of what she gave me. And they weren't all welcome gifts. And then you see how it has colored your relationship. Then you can say, hmm, now that I see that, I don't like that much. I don't want that. Where's the pathway? You know, it's hard work. I will will absolutely say that. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it to take back your life. You have the quote-unquote opportunity of a lifetime. We don't want to be squandering it, trying to make other people happy who are dedicated to not letting us make them happy. And that's what happens when you're with a hijackal. So I hope that this has opened you up to thinking about some very deep pieces that you may have been avoiding or maybe you wanted to keep buried under a rock. And I'm sorry if I shone some light under a rock for you, but it's important. It's important to lift that rock. You don't want to be repressed. You don't want to be constrained. You don't want to be shut down. You don't want to be made small by anybody. And if you're around anybody who wants to do that to you, I hope that you will see it and say, no, that is not going to happen. 
And again, if you ever want to work with me directly, use my one-time introductory offer, only $97 at BeAClient.com. And thank you, too, to the people who support this show at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Save Your Sanity. I so appreciate the small gifts of support that you you supply every month and the one-time gifts as well. That's what helps to do all of the back scene things for our podcast to survive. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope you listen to it again and really allow yourself to, yeah, feel the pieces and then allow yourself to realize that your life could expand from this point on. So until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some insights, ideas, and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with $1 or $5 each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Also, learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my Emerging Empowered community, subscribe to this podcast, find my books, all by visiting emergingempowered.com. Talk soon.